You're listening to audio from the St. Luke Church in Lexington, Kentucky. If you'd like to learn more or donate to this ministry, please check out our website at stlukelex.com. There is a word that is robbing you of true happiness in your life. And you use this word every day. It's operative in your life every day. Some people would suggest that it's a mindset. It's a way of thinking. And so you use this word to make the decisions that you have in your daily life. Other people would say it's simply a lifestyle, which also impacts not only your daily thinking, but the way that you live your life. And some people would even go so far as to say it's a belief, which shapes your fundamental values and who you are as a person. But from the moment that you wake up to the moment that you lay your head on the pillow, this word is at work in your life trying to influence you in a variety of different ways. It impacts how you feel. It impacts the way that you think. It impacts your relationships. It's at the root of insecurity or greed or envy or even lust. And you might not even recognize how this word has a grip on you, but it does. And the word quite simply is this. More. More. Consider, for example, that in the year 1938, the first television came out. It was black and white, 12 inches. It cost $652. By the way, that's nine grand in today's terms. So if you had one of these bad boys, you were the hit of the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? And now, uh, by the year 2013... The average television screen size was somewhere between 36 and 40 inches, and it's reported that most Americans, not all Americans, but the average family had 2.23 televisions in their home. Ten years later now, in 2023, the average screen size is 48 inches, and most households have three televisions in their home. Some of you right now are saying, mine's 70 inches in screen size. Or consider this, that in the year 1950, most people, if you were to look through their closet, they would have somewhere between three and five pair of pants, five shirts or so, a few sweaters, three proper suits, and of course, a good hat. And now in the year 2023, how many pairs of pants you got in your closet? How many shirts? How many sweaters? And consider that if you were to look at a home that was built in the 1950s and still had its original closets, and the closets of today, the closets of today are four times more in size than they were in the 1950s. And if that's not enough, the self-storage business is booming to take care of any of the needs that you have. In the year 1950, our national debt was $2.49 trillion. By the year 2013, it grew to $16.7 trillion. And as of Monday of this past week, it was $33.6 trillion. Now think about that for a moment. For 63 years, the U.S. national debt grew by only $14 trillion. And in the last 10 years, that debt has increased $17 trillion. The word I think we can point to is more. So what's changed? Maybe we have to ask ourselves that. And some people would point to the dawn of the credit card, which came out in the early 1950s. It meant that you could buy things 
on credit and pay for them later. You didn't have to save for them or secure a loan or anything like that. We could talk about student loan debt being 10% of our national debt right now, and obviously that's uh, taken quite a lot of political space in recent years. We could talk about the substantial trade imbalances we have or the fact that 50% of our national debt or near it is a function of mortgages, credit card debt, student loan debt, automobile loans, and everything else in creation. People want to make this political. And so before you squirm in your seats too much, let me cut that off at the knees. I'm not going there because it's not political. Some people would say that it's a matter of all the marketing messages that we're bombarded with on a daily basis. And to be sure, there's a lot. We've got television and radio We've got uh, social media, print media, there's all kinds of advertisements, and let's not be mistaken, marketers have become quite genius. Don't believe me? Think about the prospects of a pet rock (laughs) and how people were willing to buy these rocks. What a genius marketing idea. You convince people they have to have something that they don't need, and quite frankly, you can get in your own front yard and Do all you want with a gallon worth of paint. Or in recent years, one of my personal favorites is rather than get up off your duff to turn off the light, we have the clapper. (laughs) It's the Christmas gift, friends, that keeps on giving. Absolutely. So is that really what it's all about? The fact that now we're told we can keep up not just with the Smiths and the Joneses, but the Gates, the Bezos, and the Musks of the world. In many respects, our culture runs on the theology of Ariana Grande, who says, I see it, I like it, I want it, I got it. But does this work? Many years ago, Will Rogers, who was the famous American humorist that wrote for the New York Times and Saturday Evening Post, said this, too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. And if you've heard this quote before, you'll find it in our contemporary culture, especially in the likes of Dave Ramsey and Will Smith has been reported to say this as well. We have to ask ourselves, what is it with this more? And how does it affect our happiness? In fact, we might say this connects in a lot of ways to what Jesus has been teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount, that we try to find our happiness in conditional things past purchases and future purchases. I was so happy that, Christ, that Christmas when I got. Or I'll be happy when I can buy or when my salary goes up by 10 or 20 or however many percent you want to talk about. And yet what Jesus has been really convicting us with is this. Real happiness, true happiness, isn't found in conditional things or purchases. It's found conclusively in relationships, a relationship with God and a relationship with other people. That's where we find true happiness. And I suspect on a base level, we get the letter of that, but maybe at some point we miss the heart of really what it's all about. So take a look at what Jesus shares with us today from Matthew chapter 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one 
and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, last week, we pressed into the secret. I think Jesus shares the secret to all of life. And we said this. It's framed up by a question. Who are you out to please? Just who are you out to please in this life? And what he's going to do now for this week and the next two weeks is press that question, who are you out to please according to three key deficits that we think we have, our wants, next week we'll take a look at our needs, and then finally, the insecurity that we have, and this is why we judge other people. These are connected to more, the more that leaves us bankrupt, not only economically, but spiritually and robs us of true happiness. And notice where Jesus starts today. He says, do not lay up for yourselves where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves. You got it. Where nor moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. I want you to realize that in the ancient world, you didn't run down to Central Bank to get a loan. You didn't put a card in the ATM machine to get more cash. And it certainly wasn't just swipe and all of your greatest fantasies can come true. It didn't work that way. And in many respects, instead of bank accounts, people would put their assets into physical things, precious metals or wall hangings or fancy clothing, this kind of thing. And the problem with that is thieves would take it all the time. In fact, if that didn't work, the Roman soldiers would come and invade your house because, hey, mama needs a new pair of shoes back home. I can take it from you. You're an oppressed people. And hey, more for me is good, less for you. Eh, so what? So people would hide these precious things that they owned in their homes. And the way they would do it is quite literally to dig a hole in the floor and hide them there. And Jesus' point is, here's the deal, friends. Don't gain all these treasures that thieves can steal, that moths can destroy, that rust. Instead, gain powerful treasures that are in heaven. They can't be lost there. And that's really what the scriptures attest to. That's what the rabbis said in the ancient world as well. Really, they said this, that everything that we have, all of the treasures that we have in life, they're given to us by God on loan. Have you ever thought of it that way? Everything that you have, the car you drive, the home that you live in, the bed that you sleep on, everything is given to you on loan. And in that case, what you're called to do is invest the treasures that you have into relationships with other people to draw them more fully into the kingdom. Israel figured this out over time. Its most precious possession was intended to be God, and yet its most precious possession became the temple. And what happened in the end, they looted it and it was destroyed. And, you know, we know all these things on a, on a base level. We know that clothes wear out. We know that cars rust out. We know that money runs out. But it takes us back to this question of more. Why is it that we want more? And consider, for 70 plus or 80 years of your life, you spend your life getting more stuff. And then something miraculous happens. You downsize. And so your kids come and take a few of their favorite possessions and then you have a yard sale and then some things you give away and then you move. And for some people this happens a couple times. And in the end, I want you to recognize that you don't go out of here with a hearse and a luggage rack 
or a U-Haul that's getting pulled behind. What happens to most of your stuff? It goes to goodwill. So why do we want more? Why do we keep trying to get more? Why does more take over our hearts? Why does it consume our time? What is that really all about? And I want to submit to you this morning a different way to think about all this. You really only have one resource in life. Now you think, and look, I'm an ex-accountant, so I get it, right? Well, there's a lot of things I can put on my balance sheet, Brian. There's physical property and cash assets and all these kinds of things. Forget it. There's one resource that you really have in this life, and that's time. Everything else is a function of that time. Every other resource that you have is because of that time. So the money that's in your account, you got it because what? You worked for something. Or either that or you are one heck of a day trader, and I probably need to talk to you later on. But everything is a function of time. The resources that you have, the, the home that you live in, it's all a function of time. Even if you take out a loan for, for that home, it's a function of time because it's going to take you 30 years to pay off that home, 30 years of your time working to pay off that mortgage. Everything's a function of time. The coffee that you might have gotten at Starbucks on the way here this morning is a great example of that. It's all about time. You traded five bucks which was the time that you spent at some point in your life working to pay for that coffee for other people's time to bring it to you. It took time to grow the beans. It took time to harvest the beans, to package the beans, to ship the beans overseas, and then to grind those beans, to put the beans with hot water and add value with a post-consumer recyclable paper cup and serve it to you. So what you traded was your time in the commodity of five bucks for the time of other people all along the way. The only real resource you have, friends, is time. You come into this world with nothing, and yet all along the way you use the resource of time to live life. And what Jesus says is brilliant in this regard. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. You want to know where your real treasure is? You want to know what your treasure house of treasures is? Where do you spend your time? And even if you've given money for it, realize that you spent time to get those things and make that the treasure of your heart. Wherever that is, whatever has your wallet, your time, that's what has your heart. And so that's what we have to ask ourselves this morning. What is it that has my heart? What's my storehouse? What's in it? How much time did it cost me to get it? Where do I spend it most? And realize that the time that you spent with that treasure house is an opportunity cost. You spent your time there and you could have spent your time elsewhere. So in many respects, we've got to make the time that we have as valuable as it is count. Where are you spending your time what has your heart? And you might think, oh my gosh, Brian, I, like, I need some good news today. I, I didn't come to get beat up like this. Okay, well, hang in there. I realize that we see stuff around us every day, and it's at our fingertips, isn't it? I, Amazon, holy smokes, how much do we all spend there? Or, or maybe, maybe you think about something like a service like Grubhub. If you're hungry and you don't want to do the drive-through, you call Grubhub, and boom, 35 minutes later, they bring it to your door. Brilliant. 
So there's stuff that's competing for our time, for our money all the time, and our hearts want a lot, don't they? We see what other people have, or this could cut time, or, or this thing that would make our lives better, and, and our hearts want it. And the million-dollar lie that we've been taught to believe in our culture is this. Whatever the heart wants, the heart is going to get. Let me help you this morning. Sometimes our feelings lie. Sometimes our feelings lie. And it leaves us with a powerful truth that Jesus shares with us in our scripture today. And I think the truth goes something like this. God can and will change your heart, and we might add the desires of it, but you have to keep your eyes fixed on him. Let me explain how that works. Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now see, in the ancient world, they believed that the eyes were the window to the soul. And in many respects, the things that your eyes look upon are the diet for your heart. So what you spend your time fixing your eyes upon will very much influence the desires and the outputs of your heart. Are we tracking? Whatever it is this sees over time, it influences the heart to want. And the, ra the rabbis of Jesus' day knew this. They said that there were two impulses, the, the good eye and the evil eye. The good eye were the eyes that were fixated on what was good and gracious and life-giving and generous. And the evil eye, well, those were the things that were fixed, the eyes fixated on envy or greed or lust or what have you. You know, I had a fourth grade teacher, man. She had the evil eye. You know what I'm talking about? She could say my name in one syllable. Sometimes our eyes get fixed on things, yes? And the more time we spend fixing our eyes on these things, it influences the condition of our heart. So if you're constantly flipping through social media, seeing what everybody else has, the Joneses and the Smiths and the Bezos and the Gates and everybody else, we go, well, I should have that too. Well, wait a minute. I've got an $18,000 credit limit on my Chase Manhattan card. Let's go. And then in an impulse, you've made a decision that impacts you at 18% interest. If you want God to change your heart, friends, then you have to consider the diet that your eyes consume on a daily level. And that's just not with the stuff that you buy. That's with the stuff that you watch. It's with the stuff that you desire. Maybe you could think of it like this. I want you to ask yourself a question this morning. Why do I spend my most precious resource, that's time, on conditional and consumable things to be more angry, envious, lustful, empty, and broken, when instead I could spend my time eyeing more relationships which are eternal? At the end of the day, we can put our time into stuff or we can put our time into people. Which one lasts? Which one makes a difference? Which one gives you a heart that's full of goodness and generosity and grace? Because you've only got one real resource, friends. It's time. And that time is precious, and it's always running out. And so you can spend your time eyeing somebody else's stuff that you can buy on credit or, or watching the 10,000 ways that you've been slighted and somebody else has more, 
or in the false love that is really lust on the internet. You can spend your time there. But if that's your more, I guarantee you every time it will leave you spiritually bankrupt. It will leave you in want. It will leave your heart broken. So that word more, it can kill our lives. It robs us of true happiness. And the good news is there's a way to change it. And that's what Jesus shares. He says this, no one can serve for either he will hate the one and or he will be and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Now, we tend to remember the last part of that clause. You can't serve God and money, but really the fruit of this thing is earlier in the verse. And what Jesus does, what the scriptures do for us, it offers us a, a structural relationship. Hate and love and devoted and despise. And what we're supposed to do is fix our eyes towards the middle of those four things. And we recognize that if we love something, we're devoted to it. And if we spend our time being loving and devoted to things that are eternal rather than things that are conditional, it very much impacts the desires and the condition of our heart. To be devoted to something is to hold fast to it. And if you want to hold fast to something, hold fast to people. Hold fast to people, not to stuff. I'd love to give you a spiritual exercise this morning that you can do this to change the condition of your heart over time. We call it the examine, and it's a prayer. And you say, well, that sounds like examine. You got it exactly. So I'd just humor me for a moment this morning. Close your eyes, if you would. And I want you to picture the good in your life the relationships that matter, your spouse, your family, your friendships. Get a picture of those different people in your life. And now give God thanks for these people. Now I want you to picture all the people in your life that have helped you. Teachers, mentors, friends and co-workers, family, maybe a brother or sister at church. And then give God thanks for each one of these people in your life. I want you to picture what God has done in your life. He's forgiven you. He's blessed you with talents and gifts, with opportunities. Picture some of these key moments in your life. What happened? Who did you share them with? I want you to thank God for these moments in your life. And finally, I want you to picture what you want God to do most in your life.
Maybe it's a heart change. Maybe it's healing for some hurts that you've experienced or being granted forgiveness that you need. Maybe it's healing for a physical need. Maybe you've been struggling and you need hope. But I want to encourage you to share that prayer request to God this morning. Open your eyes. How's your heart feel? People are what matters. It's always been that way, always will be. And the time that we spend with them, those are the things that we take in with us. That's the treasure of heaven, that's what's eternal. Sorry, Ariana Grande, I think you got it wrong because I think Jesus' theology goes something like this. I see it, I like it, God's got it, and I don't need it. Because the end vision that I get for life goes something like this. Last day, no luggage rack on the hearse to take me out, but all of a sudden just in the presence of Jesus, and I can't wait for that moment. That's going to be a great day. And I picture him saying, Ebel, because that's what most of my buddies have always called me. I wasn't Brian until I moved to Kentucky. So he says, Ebel, gosh, you were a train wreck sometimes. And I go, yeah, I'm really grateful for grace. And I'm grateful for the cross. I'm grateful for the empty tomb. And then my hope is you get a little bit of time to ask all kinds of questions, because I got a lot of questions. And so we go through all that, and he says, you know, I'm so glad you're here. I've been waiting for you. I have a question for you. Who did you bring with you? How did you invest the treasures that were on loan to you and the time that was given to you to bring other people to me? That question drives me every day. And my prayer for you is that it will drive you too. Because in the end, all we get is what's on loan and the time that we've got. Make it count. We don't need more. We've already got more. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the abundance of grace. Thank you that you provide us with every good gift that we need. And we pray that out of our abundance, we would bring more to those who need it. We would invest in relationships which are eternal. We would fix our eyes on things that are holy and pleasing to you and on the relationships that matter. Teach us to use our time wisely each day. And may we use it all to build up treasures that are not on this earth and conditional happiness but on treasures that are in heaven, which last for all of eternity. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know that this altar is always open for you. Let's stand and sing together.